I'm Steven. And I'm Kevin. All right. Were you going to roll with that? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I just wanted to just throw you off a little bit. All right. I'm Steven. And I'm Kevin. And in today's episode of the Steven and Kevin Show, we're going to talk about LinkedIn premium accounts, strategies for next-gen investors, and how a wirehouse advisor can navigate through social media compliance. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode five of the Stephen and Kevin show. Some say we never made it, Kevin, to episode five, but we made it. We're I, here. This is a big milestone. <laughs> five yeah. is a huge milestone for us. Yeah, a big five. But uh, hey, we're going to uh, we're going to rock this. We've got three questions today, and one comes from at Social Advisors. This is one of our coaches in full disclosure, Charlie Van Durven. Great yeah. guy. Uh, fantastic social media expert. Follow Charlie. He has some great stuff. Yeah, and yeah. He, he's fully aware, and, and part of his uh, question was a statement that advisors use LinkedIn for introductions and business growth. Yep. What are the advantages of a premium LinkedIn service? I think this is a really a good question because it's somewhat confusing. LinkedIn doesn't make all their premium services that clear. No, I mean, it's, it's different than if you're evaluating CRMs and you're debating between different versions. Yeah. They make it, you know, the, the features chart or whatever they call it. It's really pretty clear as to what you get. You compare, you make your decision. Yeah. LinkedIn's a, it's a little bit ambiguous. Yeah, are you a recruiter? Or are you trying to bring in new business with sales? I mean, it's, it just becomes somewhat complex. And it's probably one of the most common questions we get when we're out speaking on LinkedIn. Yeah, and in general terms, we're going to walk you through the different versions very briefly. We're not going to bore you to death with this, uh, of LinkedIn. Uh but just a precursor to that in general, Kevin, uh, who does it make sense for to upgrade to premium? I think it makes sense for people to upgrade who feel limited with the free version. I think that's it. I think we couldn't put it more simple than that. It's, you know, use the free version until you get to that point where you say, you know what, I wish I had this feature or I feel, gosh, I've reached my commercial search limit, which we're going to talk about. And so, well. you know, it, you know, thinking about some of the training we've done around social media and how to leverage LinkedIn specifically, uh, the vast majority of what we're teaching, is, uh, 98% of it, uh, what's in uh, Kevin and Matt's book here. Um, a shameless plug there. Shameless yeah. plug. Uh, it, can you pop up a link at the same time? On yeah, the well, you should yeah. have a link and you'll link it <laughs> um, up here. But, you know, it, it, it's it's perfectly doable within the free version. So don't take this as our endorsement or our encouragement to upgrade to premium if you don't need it. Uh, we, we were on a call yesterday talking about this, just, uh, this exact issue, and our point was that uh, yeah, most of your marketing budget can afford the 60 bucks a month for LinkedIn premium, but that's not the point behind it. Right. You can find better use for that 60 bucks if you're not going to, in fact, use the LinkedIn premium features. But yeah. that 60 bucks towards your favorite charity, LinkedIn does not need your money. Actually, I have quite a bit of LinkedIn stock, so, I mean, actually, you should <laughs> just put it into LinkedIn. That's okay. So, yeah. uh, all right. Well, let's dive into the different uh, features. And in general, here's what you're doing when you're getting premium and you're uh, paying for more of the advanced premium features. You want more advanced searches. Yep. You want uh, better access to who's viewed your profile. Which is a great feature, by the way. It is. Uh, you want maybe more in-mail. That's one of their features they tout. And, uh, you know, part of that uh, who's viewed your profile, you want the ability to remain anonymous uh, while still being able to see who's viewed your profile. Yes. So those are some of the key features. They, they offer for, if you were to look at your LinkedIn page and go up to the upper right-hand corner under your name, uh, it says upgrade. something about upgrade, yep. Yep. this or that. Uh, 
you can look at the four options that they're advertising here. We're going to narrow your choices down to two because two of them just don't make any sense for you. Yeah, exactly. And so you have you have Job Seeker, you have Business Plus, you have Sales Navigator, and then you have Recruiter Lite. And so, so of those two. Yeah, obviously Recruiter Lite and Job Seeker. Maybe you are interested in Job Seeker, <laughs> right? But that's that's your prerogative there. Um, but we're really more interested in Business Plus and Sales Navigator. The price points at these two, $60 and $80 respectively. Yep. And let's walk through the differences, Kevin. Business Plus, what do you get? Yeah, with, with Business Plus, I mean, obviously, full list of everyone who's viewed your profile, which I think is, is great from a, a social sales standpoint. When, you know, it, It's Intel. Someone looked at my profile, right? It gives me some, some information there. Um, more advanced searches, unlimited commercial search um, as well. Um, it's going to give me the uh, ability to send in-mails. Uh, it's just and, and more save searches. There's some a lot of other little kind of um, bells and whistles that it includes, but those are some of the main things that you're getting with a business plus account. Sales Navigator is a little trickier. It's like a separate universe when you're using Sales Navigator, and, and it gives you some more things too. Uh, yeah, and it's, um, you know, for most advisors, you want to start with Business Plus. And if you really are so, getting too. into colder prospecting, Sales Navigator can help because it's going to auto-populate some lead list. It's yep. going to help you with team selling. If I were on there and Kevin was on there, we could search each other's network. I think the team, team, link. team link is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But here, here's the drill with both of these. One of the key features, Kevin mentioned commercial search limits. LinkedIn's uh, new thing this year is that you can only run so many advanced searches before they know you're prospecting or you're recruiting. Yes. And they're trying to weed out. They think if you're prospecting or recruiting, you ought to be paying them for usage. Yeah. And I, I get that. And, yeah. and what makes it really tough with that is that they don't tell you the number of searches that you can run per month. LinkedIn doesn't come out and say, oh, you can do so many searches per month. So Stephen did some I was doing, I, yeah, I was doing some digging on this because it he bugs me. He did some great research we, We've on talked this. about this for yeah. weeks, and every time we say, hey. Well, uh, LinkedIn doesn't tell you. They won't tell you so. And they don't, by yeah. the way. They won't tell you. But we found it's 60. Uh, yeah. Word on the street. Our sources tell us. Word on the street. Word on the street is it's wow. 60. I bet so, you know, the streets are talking about that constantly. Yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, for, for many of you, that's irrelevant. You're not running 60 searches a month. If you're avid cold prospecting on LinkedIn, which many of you should be, it's, it is more effective than you would think. Uh, if you want strategies on that, check our website, check wealthmanagement.com for some of the articles we've written on cold prospecting on LinkedIn. So that search limit rolls over every month. Yeah, the right. first of the so month. It starts rolls fresh. Over. Yep. yep. So for some of you, uh, this is a non-issue. You may not need premium, uh, but if you're going to get it, start with Business Plus, 60 bucks a month, yeah. and, uh, and and you very well may find value in it. And because so. because Sales Navigator feels like a different website, it like layers on top of LinkedIn, and it just it takes some learning before you now it could be very effective but it just takes um, a lot a lot of uh, learning on the front end yeah bottom line if you haven't been capped out with linkedin yet if you've never had an issue with search functions if you're not worried about the anonymous mode if you don't ever send an in-mail stick with the free version till you need it that's right all right so shifting gears question number two dealing with next-gen strategies um uh, yeah, you know, it's been a hot topic lately, Kevin. Yep. People want to know, how do you connect with NextGen? Everybody in this industry understands uh, the average age of advisors getting older, the average age of the client getting older. And we need to work on this on a couple of fronts, uh, both within the advisor base, obviously going younger, and within the client base going long, younger. Yeah. So what, what was the exact question? Here? Uh, the, uh, <laughs> everyone is talking about NextGen strategies. Okay. We'd love your thoughts on how to connect with the NextGen. All right. Cool. The preamble you're just there like, was you're optional. You're like one, one step ahead of us. Uh, you know, you know, uh, yeah. you know we'd love your thoughts on how to connect with the NextGen. 
I mean, it is huge. I mean, like the industry statistics, uh, you know, it's like over 90 some odd percent of the assets go somewhere else, right? You have some other interesting stats that you looked up too um, in advance. Steven's like the stat man here. Uh, today, man, I, I came <laughs> uh, came ready. Now, uh, you know, these were this was straight from our research. And, and Kevin, we've been through these before. We've done a number of next-gen presentations here recently. Uh, and, and part of what we find interesting is that 51% of affluent investors, this came right out of our 2015 research, said that they believe their children will have a million dollars or more investable at some point in their lifetime. And, and, and that's like when we, how we defined affluent. Did we, how do we define it in that case? This was a group of people with $250,000 or more investable. So, so that group is saying that they're 51% of their children are going to have a million plus. And by some combination of yeah. inheritance or earnings potential. Yep. So that's interesting. 22% of them said their financial advisor had ever shown any inkling of interest in working with their children. Right. So one in five of people who make a good client for you say you've ever talked to them about their children. Now, is that stat, uh, I mean, it, I, I question that a little bit, Kevin, only because, uh, yeah, at some point, have you mentioned it? Sure. You know, maybe you mentioned it. 10 years ago. Maybe you mentioned yeah. it when they opened the account. Hey, you know, if you ever need anything for your children, I know they're in the, you know, they might not live in the area, but we can certainly work with clients in Colorado. Um, but mentioning it once isn't enough for them for it to stick in their mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so it's really showing some real interest, letting them know that you're, you're, you want to meet with their children and start building that relationship now. I mean, I think if you're an advisor and you're planning to be in the business for the next 10, 15, 20 years, you need to have this kind of strategy in place. I mean, if you're, if you're getting out of the business in a year or so, Eh. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully you've got a succession plan. Hopefully, but hopefully. if you look at the stats there, very few advisors have that. Yeah, you know, a yeah. work in progress. Yeah. But, you know, part of what we're thinking about, first and foremost, is working through your existing client relationships to make sure that you're connecting with their children. Yeah. Certainly some asset possibilities there. Um, and, and secondarily, you want to make sure that when that client passes, the assets aren't leaving. Yeah. So let's give them some advice here. Well, well let's give uh, them some specifics here. You know, we don't have that. We just, we just, uh, <laughs> we, this is the, uh, we just subtitled the 30,000 foot podcast. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, no, it, it's, it's some of the blocking and tackling of relationship building that we've talked about for years, but aimed at a younger market, aimed at a market that you're not directly connected to, you know, meaning they're not your direct clients. They are related to clients. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But some of the same strategies. We talk a lot about intimate client events as a means to meeting family members. Yeah. What are some good ones, Kevin? Some intimate client events to meet family members. I think around the holidays is a great way mm. time to do it. Mm -hmm. So we're about to hit Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and Christmas and all those other great holidays too. Um, this is a time where families get together. And this is a time where we could put together a, um, a, a family photo day mm -hmm. at your office where you're going to, you know, on Thanksgiving, you're going to bring in everyone and, and do a family photo. Um, a gift wrapping day uh, for for the the you know Christmas or even after maybe Black Friday things like that where you know that they're gathering so put together an event that adds some value. This is these are together. younger generation, Kevin millennials. We got to do this after Cyber Monday. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right. after Cyber. But, but then so they have to get the shipping and you know maybe. You so know. how does this work? Cyber Monday, they get two day uh, Prime shipping, right? Next, the next Friday after Cyber Monday, that's when you do your gift wrapping you day. You text your clients' kids. Oh my They don't gosh. respond to email or phone. I think calls. you Snapchat them. Actually, you Snapchat you them snap and tell them to come by the yeah. office. Anyway, uh, but uh, you know, intimate events. One of them. I mean, we've seen a zoo day. We've seen a day at the ballpark. There you go. I mean, there's so many little things you can do that are family friendly, and you're you know, part of it is yeah, you can host those events all day long. But unless you make the outreach to your clients, specifically suggesting they bring their kids and grandkids. 
you know, that that's the key to the process here. You've got to have names behind that. Yes. So um, what about, we just talked about LinkedIn. So connecting with the next gen on LinkedIn, start that process now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Creates an additional touch point. You can run some searches to find out who they are. You can talk to your clients if you don't feel comfortable just connecting right off the bat and let them know that you're going to connect if you want to do that. But, you know, we talked before, Kevin, about the, the nature of that connection request being important that if you don't know the child, it's still perfectly appropriate to connect on LinkedIn. Your yeah. message is just a little bit different. Right. Kevin, you know, you and I haven't met, but I've worked with your parents for years. I look forward to, to seeing you at some point. In the meantime, want to connect on LinkedIn. Yeah, and right. it's, it's just an additional touch point, and I think it's a smart one. But if um, I if I did in fact know you, I might say, "Hey, Kevin, you know your parents tell me you're doing great down in Charlotte. You know that marathon time was impressive. You know, want to connect on LinkedIn?" Right. Well, pretty smooth. Yeah. Um, another LinkedIn strategy, and we'll get off LinkedIn, um, but is to walk the the children of your clients who are about to graduate, right? Mm -hmm through your LinkedIn network to help them land a job. And we've seen advisors do this. And one, the clients absolutely love it. If you said, hey, Stephen, you know, I know John's graduating from NYU here. I don't know what career he's looking to get into, but I have a lot of contacts. Um, I'd be happy to sit down with him at some point, maybe over lunch, bring him in the office and walk through my LinkedIn, see if I can introduce him to anyone, maybe set him off in the you know right direction here. Pretty smart. Very nice. Now, I'm going to rattle off a few other ideas here in this same camp that we're not going to dive through in total detail today, but... You know, a family finance summit. Every now and then it makes perfect. It's just a fancy title. For, <laughs> it sounds you know, like a every, big, big event. Every, every summit. Every now and then saying, you know, I, I, I want to get, uh, you know, you're talking to your client and you're telling them, I'd love to get the whole family together for just a family discussion of money. Yeah. Certainly that'd be well coordinated with you, Kevin, to, uh, to, to make certain we're covering things and disclosing things you want disclosed and avoiding other topics yeah. that you may not want them knowing about. But we think it's important to have a family conversation about money, and I'm happy to facilitate that. Nice. Right? So family finance discussion. We've also seen a lot of educational meetings make sense. Okay. You know, uh, whether your uh, clients have kids or grandkids who are teens and you want to teach them the basics of managing a budget and their money, mm -hmm. or whether they're recent college grads and you meet them meet with them on the basics of investing in their first job, um, whether it's, um, we've seen father-son investment clubs, mother-daughter investment clubs, yeah. you know, where you gather a few clients together periodically to, you're the facilitator. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of getting out of the box here, thinking of some, some creative ways to create touch points now, start building relationships now, so they see you as that person when the time comes. Ready to move on? Yeah, let's let's keep moving. All right, uh, next question. From M, at MP Slater, Mitch Slater, he says, how can a wirehouse FA work around all the fear and uh, fear over lawyering of social media that exists in the world today? Loaded question, Mitch. The lawyering of social media. Well, there is a lot of that. And by the way, Mitch is a great guy to follow. When it comes to advisors using social media, he is cutting edge. Yeah, and I think that frames the uh, the response to this. Part of it is for, for folks like Mitch, they're in a position at their firm where every firm has it. Some A few advisors who are really cutting edge when it comes to social media yeah. and the web in general. And they are, unfortunately, the ones who have to bump their heads up against the <laughs> ceiling often enough and... Uh, and convince in some ways kind of their open the to be, eyes. Yeah, yeah, to you know, to be yeah. the front runner, to open the doors. Um, you know, the same happens whether it's you know in in the world of financial planning, uh, financial organization. In this case, social media. There it takes a front runner group to start to push the envelope a little bit, and unfortunately, they get some of the kickback and and bump up against the rules more often than others. For the vast, and that it isn't to say that you shouldn't do that. Every firm needs people like that. 
That's why they grow. Yeah, they, they do. And look, the doors are going to keep opening up. Um, I've heard Matt Oxley say, you know, this is back before Stephen and, uh, and my time, but uh, it, you know, that when email first came out, that advisors were told, don't, don't use email. Right? Don't communicate with clients via email. Now, can you imagine not using email today? So I think it's going to keep opening and keep opening. And, and luckily, there are advisors like Mitch who are, who are pushing the envelope. But there's also advisors who, you know, they are staying within their firm's compliance guidelines and they are acquiring new clients. They're really working it. And there's, there's, there's Wirehouse, Independence, RAs across the board who are just, who are killing it with social media. I, every, you know, yeah. every firm has... Every firm has a, a, so a certain number of people who are killing it with social media and not breaking any rules. Yes. And every firm has a, a, a much larger group who will tell you flat out, you can't use social media here. We might, as well, we might as well not even use it. Yeah, might right. as well live in China here. You know, right. okay? yeah, I'm just going to stick with the old, old methods of doing yeah. it. And it's an excuse for far too many people out there. Far big, too many. Big excuse. We work with... Uh, advisors across the board here, and we see ones who are within compliance, who are bringing new new clients on, on a consistent basis, and their firms are working hard to open the doors. Yeah. Um, on the other side of it, because they do see the opportunity for the for the FAs. So. And and let's think about you know what what are the top few things that people get from using social media? They're not against anybody's compliance, as far as I know. If I look you up, Kevin, and you're my client, and I find you're connected to a certain person on Facebook or on LinkedIn or on Twitter that you're going back and right. forth with somebody and I ask you to be introduced, whose compliance is that against? That's right. I mean, arguably the biggest benefit of using social media. Well, the biggest benefit, of de definitely LinkedIn, right? right. Seeing who knows who. Um, I, I think they get more, you know, they feel more restricted when it comes to posting content, when it comes to engaging on the platform. And I, I'm telling you that those, that is going to continue to open up. We, yeah. We, and so what, if you're yeah. engaged with that to me, if I'm rank ordering th benefits of being on the web, uh, posting is is not one of the top three for advisors. Right. I'd say you got to have a great brand. So if people looking looking you up, you look really sharp. I'd say, and, and I'll throw number three to you, Kevin. Uh, number two being because I couldn't think of number three right off. Oh, there. this is great. This is, this <laughs> number is, this two. Is, <laughs> give me a second here. It's yeah. early. Uh, number two being uh, the the advanced search in LinkedIn or on Twitter, finding uh, introduction targets mm. and asking for real life introductions. And number three. I think number three is listening. I yeah. think number three is seeing yeah. what other people are putting out there. And then you can take that and you can engage uh, probably through direct message through LinkedIn, or I'm sure you can yeah. tweet some people. Or by it, email or, or by, by handwritten email. Exactly. It's listening, seeing what other people are talking about, and then using that intel to spark conversations. How was exactly. that for number three? I love it. Good. You know, uh, I, if I Put had me another, on the spot. Listening slash uh, research is what I would yeah, say. Yeah, research. Know? Same exactly. kind of thing, you yeah. know. Um, okay. So. All that within compliance. Hopefully, the rest of today's podcast within compliance today. Again, uh, <laughs> if you've got questions for us, you can direct message us, email us. You can post it on Twitter, hashtag Ask Stephen and Kevin. Yep. And uh, check out our podcast. If you're if you're watching this on YouTube or on our website, uh, iTunes, if you're not into podcasts, podcasts are a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, things to listen to when you're in the car, when you're exercising. Uh, ours is run of the mill compared to a lot of the ones out there right. that are really we short. Are, we so, are in episode five, right? Yeah. So, but go to iTunes. If you haven't used it yet, search Stephen and Kevin, you'll find us on there and uh, we appreciate you all turn, tuning in. Thanks for joining us today.